Welcome everyone to the Berkeley Center for Law and Technology's Expert Series podcast. Today we are talking about biometric privacy and the intersection of First Amendment and privacy law. To guide us through this discussion, we have the director of the Samuelson Law, Technology, and Public Policy Clinic, Catherine Crump. Catherine's been at the clinic since 2014 and is one of the nation's leading experts on this topic. So with that in mind, um, Catherine, can you start us down this discussion about Clearview AI? We're going to talk today about a, a really interesting new ruling from an Illinois state court, uh, which issued a decision in which the ACLU and other organizations sued a company called Clearview AI for violating an Illinois law famous to those of us in the privacy world called the Illinois Biometric and Identification Privacy Act, and specifically for uh, building a massive database of face prints. It's scraped uh, from uh, the internet, and then it sells access to these images to police departments who want to use them for facial recognition. So this really is a decision that uh, pits privacy and free speech against each other. I just want to make clear to the listeners that Clearview is, is collecting all this information from public sources. Yes, yes, that's right. So the Clearview AI product really shook the privacy community. Uh, it was actually the subject of uh, a really well-publicized New York Times article by a reporter named Kashmir Hill. It was in the magazine. And so it's a private company. And what it does is it scrapes photos off the public internet. And yes, they're publicly available, right? So, you know, when you get a picture taken of you at a law firm event, or maybe someone uh, posts something on a public page of Facebook, all of those photos are available for viewing. And so what Clearview AI did is it harnessed the power of the internet to gather all of these images and to create a truly massive database of publicly available images. I think uh, it said it had something like 3 billion such images. And then it created face prints of those, right, which are a particular way to calculate facial uh, geometry to create a unique imprint of people. So what was really what was really remarkable about this was that it's just vast in scope compared to the biometric databases that have been created before. So it's not like no one had used this technique in the past. You know, law enforcement has been doing facial recognition for probably 20 uh, years at least, but it always done so on carefully controlled databases. So for example, DMV photos. And so this uh, was different because it involved a private company creating a truly massive database of photos online. And so it was just bigger in scope than anything anyone had seen before. I think back to the, the classic Fourth Amendment cases, you put your garbage on the streets and the police can rummage through it. And this resembles the, the garbage case because I'm making these pictures publicly available. Why can't people just use them? So I, I think it's different because of the scale at which it can be done, right? So, I mean, you know, another way to think about it is it's true for a long time when you walk down the public street, particularly in a you know, major metropolitan area, you're going to be captured by video surveillance cameras everywhere, right? The difference is that in the past, law enforcement had to put in a lot of effort to really analyze footage, right? So most footage was recorded, but it was never looked at by anyone, right? Maybe if a crime was committed, law enforcement agents would go back and pull the particular footage and put some effort into viewing it. But this really automates the process of being able to identify people. And so, you know, for the most part today, people still have anonymity walking around on the street, 
but this could allow people to identify anyone in a much broader range of cases. It's not hard to imagine the abuse scenarios here, right? The product initially was available not just to law enforcement agencies, but to private company. And it's not hard to imagine, for example, it being used for stalking, um, you know, someone's looking up photos of someone's ex, something people have been known to do on the internet after breakups already, right? Imagine being able to do that of a broader range of photos uh, or even stalking strangers. So um, it was just a huge expansion of the use of this technology. So I think, I think that's one of the privacy differences here. Well, I know Clearview tr settled in on an argument that, well, we're, we're providing this information to police forces to find criminals that had already committed crimes. So they really leaned heavily on public safety and that they were, they were the, the, the good people in this fight and really not the, the folks scraping and, and invading everyone's privacy. How do you respond to that? Well, you know, and, and I think I, I respond to that by saying, actually, I think it's it's true, right, to the extent that there are public safety benefits to facial recognition technology. You can solve crimes with this technology that couldn't be solved before, and it's worth acknowledging that. At the same time, facial recognition technology, many would argue, isn't ready for prime time. So, for example, there are well-known problems with it related to bias and particularly racial bias, because a lot of the algorithms that were developed to analyze uh, face matches were based uh, originally on photographs of primarily white people. The technology is known, for example, to have a harder time recognizing faces of, of Black people. There are a few known stories of false identifications by police officers based on this technology, and they all involve Black men. And so I think it's complicated. It's a complicated issue, and this technology poses um, both some, some civil liberties and some civil rights risks. The lawsuit wasn't about baked-in bias. It was just a, a more broad attack that you can't collect publicly available pictures. Not quite. Um, so this is a lawsuit, interestingly, brought by the American Civil Liberties Union and its uh, local affiliate and some other organizations against Clearview AI and state court in Illinois. And its theory was that the law violated Biometric Identification Privacy Act, BIPA. And that is a state law that prohibits private entities from collecting biometric identifiers unless it informs the person whose identifier is collected, that it is being collected and informs them of the purpose of collection and the length of time of collection, and then actually gets written consent from the subject of the biometric identifier. So this is a, like a, just a state law claim under BIPA that what Clearview AI did uh, violated that state statute. I think there's little doubt that Clearview did violate the statute. Um, it does make sort of a half-hearted argument that photos weren't meant to be counted, but actually the court is able to rely on pretty extensive precedent to dismiss that and say, in this case, Clearview AI scrapes images off the public internet. That certainly includes people in Illinois, and it doesn't inform that this has happened, let alone asking for consent. I guess one of the, the questions is this the scope of this case, the decision going to be limited to Illinois, or will it have nationwide impact? So the, the, the Illinois law only protects the rights of people in Illinois, but one of Clearview's arguments was that it didn't have a way actually to distinguish between photos it got off the internet from people of Illinois and elsewhere. And so the practical effect of holding it liable under FIFA would be to make its business model fail nationwide. 
And the court essentially says, you know, whether or not that's the case, that's sort of too bad for you, right? It's your obligation under this law to make sure that as to people from Illinois, you follow its precepts, you're selling your software in Illinois, you have sufficient contacts here. Um, and therefore, the fact that you heedlessly gather these images from around the internet, you know, without regard for the state law is actually not the court's problem or the law's problem, it's your problem. The most interesting issue in the case actually was Clearview's motion to dismiss was the most serious argument. There was actually a First Amendment argument, which I think is pretty broadly interesting. And actually, there were there were dueling groups of, of faculty amicus on, on both sides of this. Clearview AI argued that, um, hey, it's collecting photos available on the internet, and that's an act of gathering information, which is protected by the First Amendment, and that it's basically a search engine, right? So just like Google is protected by the First Amendment for gathering information, organizing it, and letting you search it, so too Clearview AI uh, should uh, be protected by the First Amendment. And it argued that um, actually the uh, BIPA violated the First Amendment because it was a content-based restriction on speech and should be subject to strict scrutiny. And it, it drew some support for that argument from sort of stalwarts of the First Amendment community. So for example, Floyd Abrams uh, was featured in the New York Times for representing Clearview AI in this case. Uh, and also uh, well-known constitutional law professors, uh, Eugene Bullock and Jane Bambauer filed an amicus brief in support of Clearview, essentially endorsing these arguments that what the law is doing is it's prohibiting gathering information and that triggers strict scrutiny under the First Amendment. It seems that the, the court wasn't that impressed with the strict scrutiny argument. It wasn't. And of course, the ACLU, an organization most prominently associated with the First Amendment, at least traditionally, was on the other side of this arguing for the privacy rights. So it argued that this is essentially a case about conduct, right? That uh, gathering someone's biometric identifier uh, is an act of conduct, right? So the statute doesn't prohibit you from, for example, creating a, a search engine that searches photos, what it prohibits is extracting the biometric identifier of the face print from the image and then places limits on doing that. So the ACLU does admit that this burdens speech to some degree, but it essentially says that there's an important in, interest on the other side, uh, namely the state's interest in promoting privacy and also protecting people's biometric identifiers, right? Your face is not something you can easily change. And so once your biometric uh, face print is compromised, there's no way to get it back. Uh, and the court accepted these arguments. It essentially said, um, it's not a content-based restriction on speech. A biometric identifier isn't a type of content, right? Um, it's, it's a thing out in the world. And that although the law might need to satisfy intermediate scrutiny, uh, it was satisfied given the privacy interest at stake. And it seemed important to the court that the law didn't ban collecting biometric identifiers, right? It contained a procedure you have to follow, namely notice and consent that wasn't followed here. So anyway, this is, this is one of many cases that Clearview AI has, has spawned. Someday someone can potentially teach a whole class on Clearview AI in the courts, uh, but this is uh, the most recent chapter. So how does this get resolved eventually? Well, you know, I think I think BIPA is an interesting model. It's followed around, and I think we'll have to uh, follow around the country to see how how this is going. I think Illinois is, in some senses, it is creating sort of the strictest uh, privacy regime in this area in the nation. And I do think these issues will just have to be litigated, right? There's legitimate First Amendment questions here about how you apply the First Amendment to this particular 
um, technology. Um, and I have to say, I started off my career as a litigator for the ACLU working on First Amendment issues. Um, so I'm sympathetic to the issues on both sides, but I think there are serious privacy issues of concern allowing a private company to create a massive unregulated database of people's face prints. Um, and so I see Illinois as having a strong regulatory interest here. Do you see other states following in their footsteps if this goes well for them? I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. The tech industry certainly doesn't like this model. And so I think they may be more on guard about this in other states than they were when this was passed in Illinois, but we'll have to see how it transpires. Well, thank you for your time today. I mean, it's an interesting case and I'm sure we'll have several opportunities to talk about it over the next couple of years. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.